chapter 2, verses from Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus before us, behind us, around us, and even in us. We choose to fix our eyes on you this morning as we look back and look forward. May our eyes be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. So this is the... uh, Essentially what is the rector's report, but as I said, it's kind of tying in a little bit with item 10, which is about the vision as well, um, because it is a, a, a bit different. So the rector's report in your, book, in your books uh, is obviously a chance to look back, and we, and we know that 2021 has, has been a, a really odd year. Um, and I can remember the anguish and the pain of trying to work out when it was right to come back here, recognising some people couldn't, and online worship, still very much aware of the people who aren't here as well. But on the whole, I'm hugely grateful to, to God for what he's done for, for us as a, as a parish, for us as a benefice over the year. Hugely grateful for what he's doing in the schools, really excited about what he's doing in the schools. Um, and it's a real privilege to be part of that and to be thinking about growing that team. Uh, he's done, God has been amazing, I think, over 2021. Uh, just so, so grateful. And I wanted to just reflect a little bit on our verse for the year, because the whole purpose of this year and the whole plan and, and idea of this year is to seek God's vision together as to where he's leading us as a benefice, he says now, but hopefully as a parish, um, as he leads us um, forward into, into the plans that he has for us. And You know, I believe our God is a God of vision uh, and a God who gives us vision and uh, invites us to step into and join in with his vision uh, as a church. And I was thinking about the the phrase of Hebrews 12, and and the reason we chose that verse is because we wanted to make it clear is that whilst we're doing this process, the ultimate vision remains Jesus. (laughs) He is our vision. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And the thing I've been thinking about that recently as I've been reflecting on that, that phrase When you think about someone who makes something, someone who uh, creates something, no one is more invested in that than the person who made it. If you make a piece of art, even if you sell that art to somebody else, they're not going to be more invested in it than you are. And and when you create something or when you make something, you're also the person who is accountable for that thing. You just have to look at any company that's been founded by somebody. If something goes wrong, the person who founded it is the person who gets the blame, even if they're not the people who cause the problem. But they are the ones who are held accountable. And so I'm thinking about the concept of Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, being the author of our faith means that no one is more invested in our faith than Jesus not even you. Even at those times that you feel that you're clinging on by your fingernails with your faith, or you feel that your faith is lacking, Jesus is still heavily invested in your faith. And because he's heavily invested in your faith, it means he's heavily invested in you. Fully invested in you. 
because of the faith he's called you into. And Hebrews 12 is given in the context of Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith. And we read about all these remarkable people who were commended. That means that they were uh, praised and honored for their faith. And their faith was marked by them testifying to the faithfulness of God. They were commended to testifying through their lives, through everything they did, to testifying to the fact that God is faithful. And Jesus has given us that gift of faith, that that complete trust and confidence in him being who he says he is. And he is invested in our faith. And then it goes on to talk about running the race that's set before us. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think about running, you tend to think of it being a young person's game, don't you? I mean, I did read an article recently of an 83-year-old lady who completed a marathon, which is inspiring. But generally speaking, we think of running as a young person's game. But that's not the way the kingdom works. The way our world is set up, and the way our culture and our society is set up particularly, is that you reach a certain age and you peak. And then when you get to the end of that age, you sort of begin to go a bit downhill. And you work, to, in, our, in our society, you work towards retirement at the age of about 65, 67, whatever it is. And then your purpose changes and then you're struggling to find out what your purpose is. And things are kind of downhill from there. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. Because when you look at age in scripture, when you look at all these people of faith, most of them reach their peak far later in life than we tend to think we do in our lives today. Noah, for example, started building the ark at the age of 600. Can you imagine? (laughs) Started building the ark at the age of 600. The way the kingdom works is very different because what we're talking here about enduring in faith, when we're focusing on Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, when we're running the race, what we're talking about is faithfulness and fruitfulness. And fruitfulness has nothing to do with what you do do, but everything to do with who you're becoming. And so if you are becoming more like Jesus, as is, as is the desire, if you're keeping your eyes on him as the author and perfecter of your faith, as we've been saying over the past few weeks, being a disciple of Jesus is about being with Jesus, learning to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. The more we're doing that, the more we're growing in our fruitfulness, in who we are as people, not in what we do. And that doesn't get weaker with age. That gets stronger with age. What you find with most of the people in Scripture is their fruitfulness comes much later in life. There's some research being done about uh, the role of of leaders and how how leaders change or how experts change in certain things. And we're all experts in something, so take the leadership with a pinch of salt. But it takes, when you start in something new, you start as a beginner. And you're not very good at it. If you're trying to learn a new instrument, you're not very good at it, unless you're one of those really sickly, annoying, giftedly people who can just pick up anything. But generally, you're not good at it when you first start. And then they reckon it takes a thousand hours to become able to do something almost like second nature. And then even more hours than that to become really competent in it. And it's like that in a way with our discipleship of Jesus. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we develop our understanding of faith and what it is to keep our eyes on him and become more like him and do the things that he does. The further we go on, the more time we spend with him, the better we get at those things. Not perfect, but better. 
And then we continue in life, and it goes on to talk about the fact that people then, when they've done that for a long time, done that job for a long time, they become fruitful in that. And we as disciples, the further we go on in our relationship with Jesus, become more and more fruitful as time goes on. In our character, becomes more and more like Christ, the more we follow him, and so we become fruitful. And then there's this wonderful thing that talks about the afterglow. I love this concept. The concept of the afterglow is that long beyond retirement, you become one of those people whose fruit is so present that people come to you to know how you follow Jesus the way that you follow Jesus for the the whole of your life. These are the, the, the Dallas Willards of this world who years after retiring from teaching and writing, people still went to him to ask for his opinion on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These are your Eugene Petersons who long after finishing what they do, people turn to and ask what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, the kingdom of God isn't bound by age, either youngest or the oldest. The kingdom of God is bound by our relationship with Jesus. Knowing him and our fruitfulness is not based on what we do, but on who we're becoming as followers of him. And it's not that what we do doesn't matter. Dallas Willard, who I will quote again now, uh, said this wonderful phrase that grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. We don't have to earn the love of our Father, we already have it, and we serve in response to that. So whatever we're doing in terms of seeking our vision, regardless of our age, we're seeking to become better disciples of Jesus. And as part of that, every single one of you in this building, regardless of your age, carries something that you're passionate about, something that you want to see happen. And that's what we're wanting to unlock and to find this year. Where every voice matters. I'm going to hand over to Rick to just briefly explain. This is the bit where we need your participation. Um, But if you're able, do you just want to stand up and do a few star jumps? Get the circulation going. So we want to think a bit about, um, to think about how we shape vision as a church and as a joint benefit, um, not based on just what one or two people carry, but on what we all carry. And I think that's the process that we're, we're in the moment. We've done that as a staff team. I'm just asking, well, what, what do you carry in your heart? What is the thing that you're passionate about? Um, and that's, that is the core of that belief, is that God has placed something of himself in all of us. Something of his desire, something of his passion. And unless we ask the question of one another and discover that, then those things remain hidden and remain in the secret. Um, so that is what we're going to do, start that process of today. As Carl said, everybody's voice matters. Whether you're young in age or old, whether you're new to the church or whether you've been here for a long, long time, or even whether you're new in the faith or you've been in the faith many, many years, your voice and what you carry matters. So on your table, you have some cards and some pens. 
you can reach out and grab a, a card. What we'd like to do is, um, for everybody to write down or draw or be as creative as you like, two or three things that you are really passionate about. Don't start yet. Just think about it. And, and three questions are going to come up on the screen, which Paul's going to put up, to help you process what it is in your heart that you are most passionate about. And so those questions are, <clears throat> what do you most enjoy doing? What do you most care about? So what do you most enjoy doing talks about your, your underlying passions. What do, you most, what do you care about is the things you long to see happen. And then what do you carry? What do you carry in your hands? What do you practically have? What do you carry in your heart? So you might carry in your hands, you've got space in your house and you've always wanted to have, a, you know, have an Airbnb or to have a place where people could dress, drop in. You might have a spare room and you're carrying in your heart, um, carrying in your hands, I'd love that to be a space for a Ukrainian refugee. Equally, what you carry in your heart might be um, a burden for your neighbours, a burden for the person you go to school with. Um, or it might be a burden for one of the villages, like Peas Pottage. So it can be so both something physical, tangible, and something more intangible. Um, just to give you an illustration, these are the three things when I did this that I came up with. Just to show you, it can be very broad, it's not just about church. Um, but my number one thing was I love growing things. So very ordinary, down to earth, but I love growing plants. I love growing gardens, but I also love growing people, and I love growing teams. So that was number one. Number two was I love other cultures. I love going there, I love experiencing their food, and the different way they do things. But I also really love seeing how Christ has become incarnational within cultures. And for me, part of that is you know, our calling to India. It's a, a broader calling as well, and a love for overseas missions. And I come alive in those situations. So that's number two. Number three for me is in that context, I love um, building people up, building teams up. Um, bringing the word that sustains the weary is, is one of the verses which I um, is really meaningful. That might be restoration. Um, that may, might mean coaching. It might be leading worship. So those are the three things that I immediately came up with. <clears throat> um, just three guidelines while you do that. Um, some guidelines while you do that. You don't have to answer all three questions. They're just to stimulate your thinking and your reflection. Um, limit yourself, if you can, to two or three. You might come up with loads, loads more. Just limit yourself to three or three for the moment. And try not to overthink it. Just write down the immediate things that come to you. Some of you are extroverts and you'll immediately want to process that with somebody else and talk about it. Some of us are more introverted and we'll want to process it by going away, finding a quiet place and reflecting. Okay, let's just trust the process for now of just writing it on your table and then Carl's going to explain what we're going to do with it. All right, so does that make sense? Any, any questions? So just the immediate things you come to you, this is really important because we want to understand what one another carries so that we can shape vision 
from that. Yeah, don't, don't worry if you haven't finished yet. Uh, you can carry on writing in a moment. And take, I want to say a couple of things. We would love if you feel able for your name to be on the one you've written, but I'm going to make this very clear. We're not creating jobs for you out of this, okay? Uh, it may be that you carry a heart for something that somebody else might carry the mantle for. Um, so we're not putting your name to it so that we can hold you to account and say, you said this, are you going to do it? Um, it's because we really want to be able to create the opportunity further down the line for, for dialogue over these things. There might be two or three people here who carry the same passion and we want to be able to get you together to pray about it uh, or encourage one another or whatever it may be. So if you feel able and happy to, can you please put your name to it as well? And then on the way out, there's a box um, just by the white uh, board over there. If you can place your cards in that box, that'd be great. Now, that's left a, a bit of mystery. Uh, we will be explaining over the next sort of few weeks what we're going to do with those and, and how we're heading to that. But like we said, we'll just trust the process of just writing. 